Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm your host, Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 394. Today's show is brought to you by airmedcarenetwork.com. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living author interview series, our guest today is Richard Bell. Dr. Richard Bell, a previous guest on the show and a fan favorite, is a distinguished professor of history at the University of Maryland. Today on the Not Old Better Show, we'll be talking with Dr. Richard Bell, who will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program titled The Reverse Underground Railroad, Slavery and Kidnapping in Pre-Civil War America. Check out our website for more details about this excellent upcoming program. Briefly, we'll be speaking with Dr. Bell today to answer questions about the Reverse Underground Railroad. What on earth was the motive? Richard Bell, professor of history at the University of Maryland, examines the prevalence of this heinous practice, the routes the kidnappers took, and the techniques they used to lure free black people. Dr. Richard Bell considers the dramatic impact these kidnappings had on American history, accelerating the spread of slavery into new corners of the country, radicalizing black communities across the free states, and focusing the public's attention for the first time on the suffering of black families forcibly separated by slavery. Cornelius Sinclair was 10 years old when he was trapped. He was stuck in the belly of a small ship bobbing in the middle of the Delaware River a mile south of Philadelphia. A man had grabbed him from a spot near that city's market an hour ago, shoved a black gag across his mouth, tossed him into a wagon and hauled him here. It was dark below the waterline, but Cornelius could see enough to know that he was not alone. Four pairs of eyes stared back at him, four other black boys. Yesterday, they had all been free. Today, they were slaves, prisoners of a gang of child snatchers who planned to sell their lives and labor, most likely to plantation owners in the Deep South. If the boys' abductors got away with this, Cornelius would spend the rest of his life as someone else's property somewhere very far away. He would never see his family again. That, of course, is our guest today, Dr. Richard Bell, reading from his new book, Stolen, Five Free Boys Kidnapped into Slavery and Their Astonishing Odyssey Home. Remember, Dr. Richard Bell will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates program titled The Reverse Underground Railroad Slavery and Kidnapping in Pre-Civil War America, November 6th, 2019, 6.45 p.m. at the Ripley Center. You can find more details at our site, but please join me and Dr. Richard Bell today via internet phone. Dr. Richard Bell, welcome to the program. Paul, it's a pleasure to be back with you and your listeners again. It's always good to talk to you too, Dr. Bell, and I appreciate you returning. I think we've got an important story to tell along with your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, but why don't we start there? Tell us briefly about the upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. Thanks, so that's right. So uh, on the evening of Wednesday, November the 6th, and the event starts at 6.45 p.m., uh, I'll be talking with um, members of the Smithsonian Associates group and any non-members who, who choose to attend about the reverse underground railroad. Uh, this is a phenomenon uh, that involved the widespread and large-scale kidnapping of free black people, especially children, into slavery 
within the United States before the Civil War. Um, I just wrote a book about this larger uh, phenomenon. And so this talk at the Smithsonian is an opportunity to describe this um, vast criminal black market underworld, which um, uh, snatched thousands of free black people from the streets of northern cities like Philadelphia in the early 19th century with the goal of turning them into slaves to work in cotton fields and sugar plantations uh, in the deep south of the United States in the decades before the Civil War. Thank you for that. And, and as I say, I think this is uh, it's, this is going to be a fascinating conversation we're going to have. And I know the time at the Smithsonian will be as well. The book is wonderful. You've had a chance to share that with me. We've just heard you read from the book. And I will say this practice of, of kidnapping, as you suggest, this criminal element, human trafficking, all of this is, is shocking, but it was common then. And because of the demand, and you touch on this in, 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 in your introduction, almost anyone, any age could be taken. And we're talking here about free Americans. So I guess the question is, how was this tolerated? How did it lead to radicalizing of uh, free black Americans in various communities and, and along with a changing political environment around this entire subject of slavery? How did all this get tolerated? There's a lot going on in that question, uh, Paul. So let's yeah, hope I can do just such a rich, rich question. Um, <laughs> I hope people will buy the book to learn the full answer. Of course, um, we'll encourage that. But, absolutely. Uh, uh, this is a complicated story with complicated uh, origins, uh, but one origin point is the decision in Washington made uh, in 1806 that goes into effect on the first day of January 1808 to make it illegal to continue to import um, enslaved people um, from Africa or from the Caribbean into the United States. So with the transatlantic slavery transatlantic slave trade, excuse me, uh, now outlawed and prohibited by law after 1808, um, people who are trying to set themselves up as slave owners, uh, people who want to buy slaves, perhaps because they're moving uh, into new territories and states like Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, to set themselves up as sugar planters or cotton planters, uh, need to find sources of supply of enslaved labor from within the United States. Uh, in the first decades of the 19th century after 1808, we see a massive um, forced migration whereby slave owners in places like Virginia and Maryland and Delaware sell um, enslaved people they believe to be surplus to their own labor needs in the Upper South to planters setting up in the new Deep South, in the Cotton Kingdom along the Gulf Coast and thereabouts. And we call the resulting convoy um, of people, almost a million people between 1790 and 1860, uh, black people being forcibly uh, migrated from the Upper South to the Lower South. We call this the domestic slave trade. And to be clear, it's wholly legal and entirely lawful uh, to redistribute enslaved people in that in that manner. Um, but such was the scale of demand for enslaved labor in the new Cotton Kingdom and the Deep South more generally, that this legal, lawful domestic slave trade was, uh, to some extent, inadequate, um, wasn't supplying enough people quickly enough or cheap enough for every new planter's um, needs uh, in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, etc. So we see the rise of gangs of professional kidnappers in this exact same period after 1808, trying to steal free black people 
from northern states, uh, especially Pennsylvania, but also New York and Massachusetts and Ohio and other places, uh, and to forcibly turn these free black people uh, into enslaved people who can be sold and incorporated into this legal supply chain and passed off as legally purchased slaves who can be lawfully sold to planters uh, in the Deep South. And it turns out that there's a good many planters in the Deep South who are quite happy to purchase people they know or suspect to be kidnapped uh, free people. And just to give your listeners uh, something to hold on to here, um, many people will be familiar with the fantastic Oscar-winning 2013 uh, film, 12 Years a Slave, uh, which is based Yes, based on an 1852 memoir by someone to whom this happened. Uh, his name was Solomon Northup. Uh, he was an adult man kidnapped in his 30s from upstate New York by a series of ruses. Um, and he served, as the title of his memoir suggests, 12 years in slavery before being able to regain his freedom. And he was one of hundreds, thousands, if not tens of thousands of free black Americans to whom this happened uh, in the decades between the revolution and the uh, civil war. And it turns out that um, Northup's experience as an adult man trafficked into slavery was actually quite unusual. Most professional kidnappers actually specialized in children, many of whom were under the age of uh, 15 or, or, or younger. Well, let's talk a little bit about this this method, and, and you, you use the word ruses. So what what are some of the techniques that these gangs, these people snatchers, use to lure uh, flee, free black children and, and the free black people into into their their mitts almost? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question um, because uh, different techniques were used with different demographics. Uh, um, uh, Solomon Northrop, folks who saw the movie may remember, is basically drugged. Um, and wakes up the next day chained. Uh, and stuff like that happened from time to time, though with adults who were kidnapped and trafficked into slavery, violence was much more common uh, as a tactic to uh, to take their freedom. With children, often the threat of violence is what uh, kidnappers turn to first, alongside what I call ruses or decoys or lures, where people sidle up to children uh, who are often um, idling on street corners in desperate search for work, uh, however part-time and temporary, you know, um, uh, running a, a cart of supplies to a store, carrying messages for someone, unloading some fruit from ships. Uh, and when a stranger sidles up to children like that who are often in desperate need of this sort of part-time income um, with just such an offer, uh, then Sometimes that can be the start of a subterfuge, which will see that child on board a ship, locked in a cargo hold, chained to a pump two hours later. Now, this is exactly the story that um, uh, opens the, uh, the book I just wrote, where five boys are kidnapped by a professional human trafficker who offers each of them, I think, about 25 cents to unload what he claims is a few brief boxes of peaches and watermelons from a ship which is uh, half a mile away down by the um, down by the Navy Yard in Philadelphia. They go with him um, because offers like this uh, seem wonderful and they are hungry. Uh, and when they get aboard the ship, they are forced below its deck uh, and chained up and a knife is pressed to their throats. Uh, and they are told, if you scream, I will slit your throat. Um, sometimes that was all it took. We'll be right back with our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living author interview series guest, Dr. Richard Bell. 
You know, I mentioned the sponsor at the top of our show, the Air MedCare Network. And I want to talk just a little bit about that because at our age, dear, not old, better show audience, if you're like me, you often worry about healthcare coverage, the, the what ifs. What if the unthinkable happens? What if a medical emergency arises? And what if my insurance fails to cover the full cost? Worry less with an Air MedCare Network membership. That's right, AMCN provides world-class air transport services to the nearest appropriate hospital with no out-of-pocket expenses. Best of all, it's affordable. Memberships cost as low as $65 a year for the entire household. Join the nation's largest air medical membership network like I did and secure protection and financial peace of mind for you and your family. Plus, right now, as part of the Not Old Better Show audience, you'll receive a $10 Visa gift card when you enroll in a new one-year membership. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash N-O-B and use the offer code N-O-B. You'll see links in our show notes, but remember, visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash N-O-B. And now back to Dr. Richard Bell, our guest today from Smithsonian Associates. We are, of course, with Dr. Richard Bell. Dr. Bell will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates Program November 6th, 2019. Dr. Bell's new book is Stolen, Five Free Boys Kidnapped into Slavery and Their Astonishing Odyssey Home. I want to talk a little bit about the book, but I have a question first about some of the rescues because there are some rescues that 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 take place within this community of people and in, and in the book of the children and adults. So tell us a little bit about some of that. Yeah, I'm glad you raised that because um, this book, a lot of unexpected things happen in the course of the book I just wrote. And readers who start it won't quite be sure how it ends until it does. Um, and it's true that most people kidnapped into slavery, whether they were adults like Solomon Northup or kidnapped like or kidnapped children like the five boys I write about in Stolen, were never heard from again. These kidnappers and human traffickers were ruthlessly um, effective, uh, and southern slavery, particularly in the Deep South, was very difficult to escape from, to run away from, to write your way out from. Any other sorts of tactics of resistance were often remarkably ineffective uh, against the slave power. But now and again, people succeeded, uh, and rescues and interventions and runnings away um, occurred. Uh, we know this happened for Solomon Northup, of course, right? He's able to write his memoir, 12 Years a Slave, because his dozen years as a slave came to an end when he was able to smuggle word, word out in the form of a letter passed to someone he decided to trust, um, which made its way back to his uh, loved ones and uh, allies in upstate New York. And uh, I'm writing about a case uh, the kidnapping of five boys into slavery, where their experience of being kidnapped into slavery is remarkably representative of the larger um, phenomenon of children being kidnapped into slavery. But in this case, as the subtitle of my book, Their Astonishing Odyssey Home, uh, makes clear, a series of unusual, almost miraculous uh, events take place that allow some of these boys uh, to liberate themselves and fight their way 
back to freedom. Uh, and their heroism and bravery is extraordinary, um, but it's also allied with the heroism and bravery of their parents uh, back in Philadelphia. And several white allies, not just in Philadelphia, but in some more surprising places too, uh, who are committed to the cause of anti-slavery to a greater or lesser extent, or have their own very peculiar motives for getting involved when a black child runs to them to say, I am a kidnapped free person from Philadelphia. I am not the legally traded slave you think I am. The book is getting wonderful reviews. I, I just, I, I read it. I, I, I just was uh, uh, moved, and uh, it's it's heartbreaking at times. But it it's a must read. The research is impeccable. In my research of you, I I found that there wasn't a whole lot known before now before your work about the reverse underground about some of these uh, incidents that took place. And and so I'm wondering. If you'll tell us a little bit about your research and investigation, because I, I can't imagine that there were police files, and, and so, so many of these individuals would seem to want to operate kind of in a, in a, in a shadowy world, not, not at all uh, obvious to others. So what, what did you do? How'd you do it? And maybe give us some, some insights into uh, what you did in order to unearth all of these details, because it's really rich in detail. Thanks for the, the question, Paul. It's always uh, interesting and I think hopefully illuminating to talk about how books are, are written and the research that goes um, uh, into them. Uh, I'm not the first person to be aware of this particular case, the five boys I write about in this story, and most historians would uh, happily uh, acknowledge the existence of what I call the reverse underground railroad, this vast criminal um, black market traffic in free black people and children. But because it was a criminal enterprise that was remarkably insulated from sustained criminal prosecution for a long period of time, um, the records, the paper trail uh, by which historians could try to reconstruct individual cases or the larger phenomenon of um, free black children and adults, adults being kidnapped into slavery uh, is very hard to piece together. And there's only been a couple of prior attempts to tell this sort of story um, uh, before, uh, though Solomon Northup's uh, memoir, which was made into the movie, of course, has done a lot to shine a spotlight on this phenomenon. Um, so when I was writing, when I was researching this book, and it took me the best part of eight years to research and write, um, there were sources that I was uh, quite familiar with. This particular case is based on uh, a couple of dozen letters uh, to and from the mayor of Philadelphia who becomes involved in the uh, attempt to um, extradite these um, boys from the Deep South. Uh, and scholars have known about those letters for a while and written about them in scholarly articles. Um, but that was certainly not enough to sustain uh, a, lo a book um, uh, about this story. And so what took the time, what took the months, what took the years, uh, was going to, I think it was 35 different archives in 14 states and the District of Columbia to look for more stuff. Uh, to look for things that other scholars had missed or not gone looking for, uh, to dig up stuff that was buried and repurposed it uh, to tell my story. And so I've been able to find a couple of hundred uh, things which have not been 
uh, known about before or linked to this story before, which enabled me to reconstruct it in a lot more, hopefully, vivid detail uh, than has been possible um, uh, prior to. So I found extra legal records, which were not widely known about. I found a missing persons ad where one of the boys, Cornelius Sinclair, where his father uh, wails that his son is lost and he thinks he has been kidnapped, um, which was a new and important find. I also found two letters in manuscript uh, where one of the suspected kidnappers who was actually doing time in jail um, for uh, kidnapping uh, pleads his innocence uh, with members of t- t- uh, to members of an activist uh, group who he thinks he can sweet talk and to hear the voice of one of the kidnappers is a very unusual thing when trying to reconstruct this sort of criminal uh, uh, network so that felt like um, a real light bulb moment um, for me. One of the moments when I started to believe that telling this story and putting the boys' experiences front and center, um, as well as kidnappers, might actually be possible. Richard Bell has been our guest. Richard Bell's author of the new book, Stolen Five Free Boys Kidnapped into Slavery and Their Astonishing Odyssey Home. As always, we appreciate your time, Richard Bell. Thank you for joining us. This will be a really, I think, uh, uh, eye-opening but uh, fascinating and wonderful evening Wednesday November 6th with Richard Bell at Smithsonian Associates we'll put links up to where you can find out more information about the Smithsonian Associates presentation with Richard Bell we'll put links up to where you can find out more about his his new book more about him but Richard Bell to you thank you so much for your generous time today this is a wonderful story thanks for all the hard work and the research thanks Paul it's been a pleasure to talk with you my thanks to airmedcarenetwork.com for sponsoring today's show and my special thanks to Dr. Richard Bell for joining me today. Links and ticket details for Dr. Richard Bell's presentation, The Reverse Underground Railroad, Slavery and Kidnapping in Pre-Civil War America are available at notold-better.com and the Smithsonian Associates website, all of which we will link to. And thanks always to the wonderful Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. The Not Old Better Show. Talk about better. Thanks, everybody. 